Okay, we are in Sefer Malachim Beis, Perek Tesvav, Pasuk Aleph, Bishnas Esrim B'Sheva Shanoli Yerobam Melech Yisrael. And again, let me uh, acknowledge the uh, appreciation and gratitude and support we received from the Gavur Shul here in the Wall Street area. And at the same time, let me dedicate the shear to the complete Rafur Shlema of Rafur Yosef Ben Rachel. We begin today, Perik Tesfav, which is a very sad Perik. We may not get to it today, but we've been saying that there are warning signs until now of it's coming to an end. The Malchus Yisrael, the Malchus Yehuda, Churban Bayis Rishon is coming. Today, you're going to see the reality set in of how imminent the end is. And so we begin with Bishnas Esrim Rosheva Shonoliyarabam Melech Yisrael. In the 27th year of Yerubam's reign as king of Israel, he will reign for uh, 42 years. Molach Azariah ben Amatsia Melech Yehuda. Melech Azariah, son of Amatsia, was ruling in Judea. Ben Sheshes Reishon he was 16 years old, Melech Azariah, who was also called Yehoaz in Divrei Hayamim. He was 16 when he came to the throne. He reigned 52 years in Yerushalayim, which is the second longest reign of any king, the longest being Menashe, as we will see, is 55 years. His mother's name was Yechoyahu. One important thing. We have seen when the Navi gives us these comparative years that it was in this year that the king of Judea began his reign. It was in this year that the king of Israel began his reign. And it usually the calculations are off. Sometimes by a year or two years, and we've been able to conform them by saying that in counting the years of a king's reign, you round off. If he came to the uh, seat of Malchus in, let's say, the first month of the year, we round it off to a full year. So that would account for certain discrepancies, and it would also include sometimes they rule as a co-regent with their father. So those years add interpretive problems. Here, it's just too big a difference to ignore because it implies that it was in the 27th year of Yerubim that Azariah reigns. And yet we know that they began simultaneously. So 27 years is a very big differential to account for. Something must have happened in the 27th year of could Azariah. They, could there have been two Azaris? Possibly two sons named Azariah? No. 
No. There are, but not that wouldn't account for here. It's going to account for here. Something impactive happened in the 27th year of his reign, and we are going to discuss it. Ben Sheshes Reishana Hayob Molcho, he aged 16 when he took over, as we've said. By Yas Hayosher, again, he starts out like so many other kings, by Yas Hayosher, Bene Hashem, he follows the beginning of Amatsyahu, his father, does so much good, but there's that old pitfall. Rak habamot, lo soru He did not get rid of those private bamo. Now comes a shocker. By Ginaga Hashem es Hamelech. He is struck, stricken with leprosy, and he never recovers until his death. He lives in what is euphemistically, as we're going to see, called the Freedom House. The Yosem ben Hamelech, remember that name, Yosem ben Hamelech al Habayis rules Shofetis Am Ha'orez. He judges the people. No, it does not say he replaces him as king. To understand what happened, they got Saras. We have to go to Divri Hayomim. There is no other source, and it is a strange, very troubling story. Divri Hayomim tells us in Chok Vod, Safer Bays, how he started out like a powerhouse. Uh, he conquered, he fortified things, he conquered cities, he conquered provinces, and he was just a beloved, magnificent king until the 27th year. And what happens, let's start with Pasuk uh, Test Zion in Jibre Hayomim. He strengthened the city so magnificently, but it brought him an arrogance. It strengthened his heart to do certain things that were blasphemous by Imal Bahashem. He committed Mila transgression with the Kaddish Baruch And what did he do? By Yovo El Hechel Hashem Lahaktir Al Hamizbeach Ketores. He sought to bring the Ketores, the incense, on the altar. Let's just talk about that for a second. The Ketores was done twice a day. The rule was, of course, only the Kohen could do the Ketores, but more than that, the Ketores was considered such a brilliant schooler for wealth. You did the Ketores, it was the pathway to wealth. And so it was unfair to let a Kohen do it more than once on the simple theory, to put it in the vernacular, spread the wealth. A Kohen could only do it once in a lifetime. The Kohen Gadol could do it theoretically any time he wanted, but a question of a non-Kohen, out of the question. You could not do it. Interestingly enough, today, with no base Hamikdash, the counterpart of the Ketores is considered being a Sanduk at a bris, 
holding the child during the bris. It's supposed to be a tremendous school of the well. And the halacha grew that you only did it once in a, to allow others to participate in the well until other chazal came along, like, for example, the Vilna Gom says, I do the sandak once a week and I'm still impoverished. So that it's a myth that it's a great opening for wealth. And so what it has evolved to now, and it's a very strong minho, you can only do sandak once theoretically in any branch of the family. You could do a son, let's say, and a grandson, but you couldn't do the same family more than once. Anyway, he comes in with this concept that he is going to do Ketores. Eighty valorous Kohanim pursue him. They stand before Uziyahu. You are not to be offering this incense. This is another question that keeps coming up to me, at least. Is what what was going on in the Beit Hamikdash? What was going on with the Kohanim doing all these kings, all these you know horrible things that are happening? The Avodazara and uh, you know mur- murderous intrigue. Or is the, is do the kings view the temple according to something that they just kind of leave alone and it just kind of goes on? What are the people of Israel? Are they continuing? I know that we, we the, sometimes Israel, people from the northern tribes are going, sometimes they're not. But what about the people of Yehuda? Are they devout or are they indifferent? They are for the most part devout. They get a pass, for example. The Beis Hamikdash continues, the Kohanim continue, the Bezdin continues. There is strain, but for the most part, as we're going to see, kings of Judea have good press. They, they, is uh, it, but isn't there a disconnect between uh, everything that, you know, between what's going on in Malachim and what you would expect a Jewish nation to be doing. <laughs> I hate to use a cliche, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. It's, it's getting a lot worse. So he wants to do the Ketores. And they say, same in Hamikdash. Get out of it. This is not a, a cover to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. By his becomes very angry. He brings the Ketores. And immediately, Ubizapo im Hakohanim, Bahatsaras, Zorcha, the Mitzko, Litnea Kohanim, Beves Hashem, May Allah Mizbea Hakatoris. Immediately, he breaks out in Saras. By Yifen Elova Zaryo, Kohen, or Rosa Kolakonim, the Neum Mitzora, the Mitzko, by Yiblu Misham, the Gamunit Haplatseki Nego Hashem. He is stricken with Kipporas, with Zaras, and he must leave. By Yehi Uziyo HaMelech Mitzora Ad Yomoso by Yoshev Beis HaChavshit. He dwells in a house of freedom. It's a euphemism. He has to leave Yerushalayim. He can no longer dwell. Mitzora cannot be in the precincts of Yerushalayim. And so he's put 
out of the gates. And that may be a form of freedom that he leaves Yerushalayim, but more likely he is given a house, say the Mephoshim, in the cemetery. He is, for all intents and purposes, relieved of his kingship, Mitzorakin Exarmi Beis Hashem, and now the Yosem Beno of Beis Hamelech Shofei Es Am Eretz. His son Yosem now becomes really the de facto king from his 27th year to his 52nd year, and that may be the Beis Hachafshit, the freedom. And now you want the rest of Uziyol, it's in Yishayol, as we're going to see the prophet Isaiah, Emir Hashem, our next Sefer of Tanakh, is now is a contemporary. We're going to see it says, Asher that he prophesied in the days of Yosem. One thing about one more goes to his death. Notice he's buried in the field adjoining the kingly plot, not with them, because he's a Mitzorah. Who is this Yosem? who rules for 27 years, but does not take the title. One quick agarata about him in Gemara. He takes the title after his father dies, though. Then he becomes king. Yes, for a short while. But let me go to um, Memhei Ahmed Bey's in Mesech de Sukkah. Let me just read it with you very quickly. Yochai says, because of my schuyos, my merits, I can exempt the entire world from a bad judgment in the Olam Haba from the day I was born until now. And now, if my son Elazo was with me, I can do it, we can do it, from the judgment, from the day the world was created until now. And now, here comes the punchline. If we had Yosem with us, from the day the earth was created until the end. What was this incredible reference to Yosem? Rashi tells us he is the paradigm of Tzidkis. He was a great tzaddik, but his greatest, greatest midah was humility. He would not take the role of the king. He would not issue the decrees in his name. It would always be in the name of the king. He had a tremendous covet of keep it of, and that's why he is mentioned as being the paradigm of, if he had the schuyos were used, he could exempt everyone from the beginning of the world to the end of the world. That's what a great tzaddik he was. And so we see that he rules to the end, and now, just as you thought things couldn't get worse, they will get worse because we are going to switch back to Malchi Yisrael who have now degenerated into not legitimate kings 
Talmud Yerushalmi says listios. They were usurpers. You are going to see a series of assassinations, of usurpations, of kings seceding each other in a matter of months. Whoever was the strongest took over. And tragically, you are going to see the Gullus begins, not will begin from here, but begins 8.45 a.m. tomorrow at Kant.